I'm Andy Scarantino, and this is View from the Roof, formerly known as the Get the Fuck Off Podcast. Every week, I'm going to be bringing you bits of goodness to not only help you get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore, but also to get you to think deeper and wake up to the world around you. My mission over the last three years has been to make personal development digestible for those who are ready, but they maybe don't want to speak in a soft, whispery voice or sit in the lotus. Through sharing story and interviewing cool people who are important to me, I hope you'll be able to see the world in a new way. You don't have to sacrifice your outstanding personality, and all of this is quite the journey. I'm really excited to have you on that journey with me. Welcome to my View from the Roof. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of View from the Roof, formerly known as the Get the Fuck Off Podcast. I'm Andy Scarantino. I'm excited to be back by myself today. I have a guest coming up this upcoming Monday, and I know that it's midweek, but I just was inspired to record something and put it out for all of you because, number one, it's been a while since I've done an episode completely by myself, and number two, I was reading something this morning that just inspired me to have a chat with you about this idea of everybody's right. And I think that the lack of embracing everybody's right is the cause for a lot of dis-ease, not just in Western society, not just in America, not just in our personal lives, but in the, the whole of the entire world. And I'm not going to speak to any specific uh, situations that are happening right now. The reason being is because I am a white, non-religious, middle-class citizen of the United States of America. So I hold the most powerful passport in the free world. And I don't believe it is necessarily my place to speak on conflicts that are killing lots of people that have been going on for centuries, really, but, you know, pretty aggressively within the last few decades. Um, I do pray for peace in the world. And I hope that in this world, we as individuals can begin to embody a mentality where we can find peace in ourselves and allow that to permeate the existence of everyone that we know. I mean, really allow those ripples to flow. I was observing just a a couple of people recently, because that's what I do. I just, I walk through the world observing why it is in the state of dis-ease that it's in. And as I think of my own dis-ease and the hate that I used to have for people and the hate that I sometimes can still like there is still hate that pops up every now and again in my experience which I'm not really proud of but I find that anytime there is any sort of disgust or dis-ease or hate or um, anger resentment uh, a desire to harm any of that that comes into my experience it it really is because I'm feeling afraid unsafe unloved, unheard, unsupported, 
alone, and a number of other things. And it's very hard to say that. It's hard to say, I'm afraid, I need help, I'm alone, I'm, a, I'm, I'm scared, like I'm afraid, right? Like I'm afraid. Any, any hate or any, any outbursts in my life that I've ever had, um, and I've had many. I've said hateful things in my life. I am open about, about that. Um, have been because I have felt wholly oppressed, stuck, unloved, unsafe, regardless of if it was true or not. So in my recovery, and I'm not talking about my sobriety, I'm talking about my recovery. My recovery started in January of 2018. Many of you that have been listening a long time know my ex-boyfriend left me at the airport in the middle of the night, in the middle of January, without a flight home. I don't have any ill will towards this human. He's a fine human. I just bring up that experience because that was the experience where I realized that I was responsible for every single thing in my life and that every negative was created by me and every bit of the misfortune and the, the circumstances that I, I ended up in were my, my doing. And even if they weren't my doing, they were my responsibility. And that was my awareness at that time. So I started embracing recovery and recovery led me down a lot of paths. The first path was getting my body in order and subsequently my mind um, when I stopped drinking in 2020. Got my body in order in 2018, stopped smoking, lost a bunch of weight 2020, let go of alcohol. And through that journey, I have begun exploring inwardly what's the best way to live and the way that makes sense to me, the thing that makes the most sense is the Eastern worldview of Taoism, really, that, that this non-dualistic um, mentality in a dualistic world. So a lot of people might be familiar with the Zen, uh, I think it's Zen, the Zen parable of the Chinese farmer, the who, who's to know what's good and bad. That's kind of the 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 Tao, really, that when we create this dualistic world, when we start defining things, when we start putting things into the particular, when we start oppressing things, when we start demanding things, then, then things go to hell. You know, it's, it's really when we just allow that things work in the most seamless, beautiful way where people are the most free. You know, there's a, there's a, a bunch of lines in the Tao. Number 17 is one of my favorites. When the master governs, the people are hardly aware that he exists. Next best is a leader who is loved. Next, one who's feared. The worst is one who is despised. If you don't trust the people, you make them untrustworthy. The master doesn't talk, he acts. When the work is done, the people say, amazing. We did it all by ourselves. Another one that I really love, uh, Dow number 19. Dow number 19 says, throw away holiness and wisdom and the people will be a hundred times happier. Throw away morality and justice and people will do the right thing. Throw away industry and profit and there won't be any thieves. If these three aren't enough, just stay at the center of the circle. 
and let all things take their course. Dow number 19. So what does this really mean here? Throw away morality and justice and people will do the right thing. Throw away industry and profit and there won't be any thieves. Well, how does that work? Well, when we start labeling things as valuable, all of a sudden people want them. I have to have them. I have to grab them. I have to keep them. When you're talking about morality, religion does a fine job of this. We talk about what's moral and what's not. And then people... When they begin to act within their own intuition, someone says that's immoral, then all of a sudden you're oppressing people and then people start acting out. I mean, it's, it's such a heavy thing. But any time we try to impose some sort of oppression on anyone, it will rebound upon us. So, you know, Dow number 30 says... This very, very similar things. Whoever relies on the Tao and governing men doesn't try to force issues or defeat enemies by force of arms. For every force, there is a counterforce. Violent, even well-intentioned, always rebounds upon oneself. So where do we see this? I said at the beginning of this, I hold the most powerful passport in the world. And the reason that I hold the most powerful passport in the world, I believe this is the figure I wrote. Uh, this week on my stub stack, I actually looked it up. I don't have the stat in front of me. But I believe that our country spent $877 billion on the military just last year. Um, you can Google that. It's somewhere in that ballpark. I don't have it in front of me again. Uh, that's why I have the most powerful passport in the world. And the reason that our country has to spend that amount of money on the military is because of the, the shit we've done. <laughs> Like throughout our history, if you Google or YouTube how the United States became a superpower, you will see our course of action all the way from World War I up until present day. And we defeat enemies by force of arms. And then we dump more money into our force of arms than any other country. And we have to continue to do that because the minute we stop, that's it. We'll lose everything. It's true. Because for every force, there is a counterforce. Nobody just gets to exert force and then not have that force come back upon them. And when we live in a, in a world where we just follow down, when we just allow, when we just act in, you know, with our internal compass, then things will be peaceful. But when we don't, we have to continue to apply force to force. And that is where the struggle comes in. So where do you see this the most? I'm going to simplify this. Like this is going to be super simple. I'm going to bring this back down to brass tacks. Your body, right? You, put, you go on a diet. And you go on some ridiculous diet, some stupid diet. Well, what happens? For every force, there's a counterforce. Everybody that diets usually is over, like usually gains weight quickly because your body has an internal compass it has a it has a, a homeostasis of a weight that it likes to be and it has and it tells you what it needs what it wants what it desires it gives you that, that data that information if you do not pay attention to that data and that information and you're trying to just tweak and and fuck with and do all this shit you're gonna be a fat like that's how it's gonna be or you're gonna be like emaciated thin but then eventually when you stop doing whatever you're doing to be emaciated thin you're gonna yes there's going to be a counterforce to your force it's just gonna happen um, birthdays. I just had a birthday. 
And I received more love on that day than I, more attention, more affection, more praise, more accolades, more, more, more dopamine, more, hey, happy birthday, happy birthday. Oh my God, it's your birthday. LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, happy birthday. Here's a card. Here's a text. Here's a, here's whatever. Here's some money. And you're getting all these hits of dopamine all day long. And then what happens? It's 8 p.m. and you want to jump in front of a train. I mean, Please, if, you, if you're actually having thoughts about jumping in front of a train, please call 988, uh, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. I'm not trying to make light of people that have suicidal thoughts. I certainly have had suicidal thoughts in my life, and it's nothing um, – my thoughts were just passing thoughts, but if they become more than passing thoughts, that might – reach out for help. Seriously, the world is a better place because you exist. Um, but I want to, but I do want to say that like on the evening of my birthday, yeah, I was feeling like, I was feeling like a worthless human. Like I felt so depressed because that's the counterforce to the force of all of that attention, affection, uh, chemicals coming at you, money, like all of these things that are coming at me, coming at me that I, I typically don't get are, are fucking with my homeostasis. So every force has a counterforce. Same with like running a big race. Um, I didn't experience this with the Chicago Marathon that I just ran a couple of weeks ago, um, Sunday before last. But typically I do where you're leading up to a big race and then you run the big race and then you're depressed after the big race. And I think because I didn't have so much invested in this marathon that I didn't experience it this time, but I did experience the depression following the big race and that there was a lot of fanfare with that race. And I had a, a friend of mine um, who I'm exploring a, a really interesting relationship with. He was tracking me during that race and a number of other people were as well and like we were connecting pretty deeply and then I was away the whole week and I was staying with someone else and then I was staying with Josh in the city and then I was staying with with somebody else again and um, you know just we were having loving affectionate intimacy and all of these things are happening and I was away and my work schedule was kind of topsy-turvy and then I was like taking meetings from other places and I was eating different food and all of this stuff and that threw me out of homeostasis so what is the rebound of that Blech. right like come home and oh my god I just I, I just crave to come back to my my constant I want to bring us back because I, I have talked for over 13 minutes now I'm bringing all of this up because whenever we are reactive, there is a counterforce to that reaction. That, that's the way. It happens with our bodies. It happens with our minds. It happens within, with a, a fight. I use this example a lot of like a wife is mad because her husband goes out to the bar too much. So what does she do? She starts yelling at him and screaming that he goes out to the bar too much. So he became, becomes irritated with the wife that she keeps yelling. So he doesn't want to be home. So he goes to the bar even more. And then the wife gets angrier. So then she starts getting passive aggressive. And, she's, and this is how conflict goes on. Someone has to say, all right, you're right, you're right, and this is pointless. And us going at each other and us pushing and us having force, force of arms at one another, it's just not the way. It's just not the way. 
I was thinking about, I said this once in a, in a friendship bench. It was a long time ago. And, and I said, you know, I, I really believe like, you know, we just don't want to experience the counter forces of our initial forces. See, everybody's afraid of that, right? Like when you stop yo-yo dieting, you're going to probably gain some weight. Eventually, you're going to come back to homeostasis. You're going to come back to the weight that your body likes to be and you'll probably stay there forever and, and have a relatively easy time with your physicality. Probably for the rest of your life. But you're going to have to go through that, that bit where you gain some weight. You know, the same thing if you're addicted to a substance. I had an alcohol use disorder. Still have, just I'm in recovery, right? I'm sober almost four years. Well, when I went through that, yes, I had to go through holidays, weekends, outings, family gatherings without alcohol. I had to re-experience my entire life sober. And that was uncomfortable. And it was awful. And I had to go through it. That the, the only way out was through so I don't know if I said this this is where I think I started I was like I think we should let everybody out of prison well we won't do that because what happens is if we let everybody out of prison they're going to go killing and raping and pillaging and doing whatever the fuck is that even a word pillaging I've used it but I don't actually know the definition feel free to tell me (laughs) they're going to be raping and killing and and doing all of these things of course they are because prison does a number on people's psyches but you know what puts people in the psyche to commit crime, trauma. Trauma puts people in that psyche. We have trauma. We have systemic trauma. We have trauma with poverty. We have trauma with racism. We have have trauma in our society. And instead of dealing with the trauma, we just react. We put people in jail. We lock people up. And what we do is we oppress those people. We make them angrier. We don't give them a voice. They come out. And they're a fucking mess, psychologically, emotionally, physically. We feed them the the worst food that isn't even fit for consumption. We create the hell that we want to avoid. Because we don't act like the Tao. We act like the oppressor. And that's a big problem. I just was inspired to talk about this today because it is on my mind and perhaps all of us could enjoy, embrace the idea that everybody's right. I remember, and I have an easy time with this. You know why I have an easy time with this? Because I don't, I wasn't reared in patriarchal religion. That is one of the biggest gifts that my parents gave me. My mother said, you know, I'm not religious. You can believe in whatever you want. And I encourage you to seek out information. If you're going to believe in something, if you're going to subscribe to a religion, if you're going to have a faith, I encourage you to learn everything that you can learn about that faith. And she certainly walked that talk. She took a zillion theology classes. I mean, she really did her homework before she decided that she was going to call herself an atheist and I admire that she's not just some ignorant fuck that just decided she went and she did all of the things that she wanted to do in the way that she wanted to do them so that she could have that belief and she encouraged us to follow our own compass really to figure to to figure that out so 
Because I wasn't indoctrinated into any understanding of what God is, I had a very easy time listening to information or maybe just story or maybe, um, you know, things that came along. And um, being able to understand, like Ken Wilber in, in Cosmic Consciousness talks about everybody is right and correlating just all of these different faiths and all of these different teachings and seeing how they come together. But the problem is, is that when you have indoctrination, and I don't mean like you have a faith because your faith is obviously valid and, and wonderful, but indoctrination happens earlier than faith. It happens like when you're a child and it's very hard to get out of indoctrination because your brain is so malleable at that time. So you begin to believe the things that you hear at that time of your life as true. So a lot of times when we have indoctrination, people have trouble bringing in different philosophies, different values, different perspectives. They have trouble blending that all together because everything has to agree 100% with whatever they're indoctrinated into. So if two things like kind of don't agree or don't mix or just whatever... They can't make it, they can't figure it out. So like Jesus was a very high being. When you look at the gurus over in you know, India, right, they are very high beings. They have mystical experiences. They are living out of body. They are, you know, performing miracles. They're doing all these things. Well, Jesus was a very high being as well. But to mesh those two things is hard for someone that's indoctrinated into one of either faith, really. Like, and, and, I, and I mean basically, you know, like Christian faith. If you're indoctrinated into Christian faith, you might have a harder time, you know, hearing about Maharaji, right? You might, you might think, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I can believe in this and then how I can also believe in Krishna. Like, I don't know how that all, how we could do all that. Like, I don't know how that all jives together. It's like, well, we could talk about karma and the laws of karma and samsara. And then all of a sudden we got to talk about the Buddhists. Well, that's everything there is logic. Well, logic isn't everything. You know, you hear what I'm saying? There's so much, so much going on that people have a hard time. But when you don't have indoctrination, you can just agree everybody's right in some way. Everybody's right in some way. Every human acquired the wisdom that they have and felt compelled to share it in whatever way to help bring others along. So everybody's right in some way from the perspective that they have at the time that they have it because of the information that they received at that time. So as I'm looking at all of this and I'm thinking about all the things that I've said so far about forces and counterforces and right and wrong and good and bad and, and, and evil and not evil, <laughs> medieval, no, all these things, um, I was just thinking how much we need to embrace everybody's right this all got inspired because of a linkedin post that my friend craig james wrote today and the post was about how he 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 basically said that he posted a photo and he didn't have permission to post the photo it was of a human that he saw in public space so it was allowed right because the human's in public space and somebody asked if they if he had permission to post and uh he didn't have permission to post so he deleted the post and um essentially like you know that was that was kind of what it was about um he also was 
paying respect to a friend that pointed it out, um, kind of just asked, hey, do you have permission? And, uh, you know, there when he brought up the distinction between kind and nice. And um, he tagged me in it. And I said, you know, I, I live in New York. Like, I'm in a million photos every day. Like, you, I can't walk from my I didn't say this part but I'm just going to tell all of you guys I can't walk from 1st Avenue to 2nd Avenue and not be in someone's selfie or someone's FaceTime or somebody's TikTok or whatever I mean it's all the time I sit and I meditate in public space there are people taking photos all the time um there's just shit going on all the time and if I ended up in somebody's photo well I am in somebody's photo and if it's on the internet well I'd be probably thrilled I'd be like wow I'm on the internet. Amazing. Um, Hope I wasn't picking my butt crack or something like that. But I freely do that in public space if I don't want to be. I just am under the assumption that people are going to see that. And if it ends up on the internet, well, then it ends up on the internet. I mean, I'm a disgusting runner. I'm snot rocketing, butt picking, doing all those things in public all the time. Someone wants to take a picture and put it on the internet. Great. Uh, but I said that there's a line in my favorite movie, which is As Good As It Gets, where Greg Kinney's, uh character talks about um, watching people. And he says, if you look at someone long enough, you discover their humanity. Now, some, some of us just want our humanity to be seen. I, I want that. You know, like I, I sometimes am so bogged down by the like I have an image, I have an ego. The person that you're listening to that's delivering this podcast right now is the the ego. It's Andy, right? That's who you're listening to. There's a me that's underneath that, but there is an image. There's a there's a bravado about that. And sometimes I kind of want somebody to just see everything under that bravado. And um so the discussion kind of went back and forth uh, with myself and another person. You know, she she commented about the movie. But then she asked this question at the end and said, when are we looking for humanity and when do we engage in objectification? You know, to which I said, the experience you have is the experience, those of those of you who have been in day one know I say that all the time. The experience you have is the experience. And the subject or object will have no awareness of it regardless. You know, if your internal state objectifies, it'll be so. And somebody might, you know, see a person and see their soul, see their beauty, see their energy. Some people might just see their body. You don't know. But the experience that you're having is the experience. So I, a woman, if I'm standing on the street and someone's staring at me, they could be objectifying me in their mind. But because I don't objectify myself, I'm not going to have the experience of being objectified. Even when people like cat call me, it's so interesting because they don't do it a lot. And I think it's because I don't put that karma out there. And that's just not, that's not the vibe that I put out because I'm not trying to avoid it. So if you're trying to avoid something, you're usually focusing on it. So you're usually getting more of, of what, and quantum physics backs this up. But when people, I've had people 
I'll be running and people will be like, nice legs. And I'll be like, thank you. They'll say, you're welcome. And that's the experience that I have. Whereas somebody might say, nice legs. And someone might be like, fuck you. And they might be like, well, fuck you too, bitch. I mean, it's really about what are you embodying? You're only going to see what's present in your internal reality. And I'm not saying that women don't get attacked and I'm not saying women don't get raped. That certainly is the case and that's why I don't run before sunrise and I don't like to run after sunset. I do believe that women are the prey of society. Dr. Shafali talks about it in A Radical Awakening. I feel like you can either be a victim to that or you can jive. You can roll with it. You can operate within the confines of what is rather than trying to look at what isn't. I guess the whole point though, going back to the post and the conversation about when are we gazing on humanity and when are we objectifying is it's when your internal reality objectifies is when you're objectifying. And when your internal reality is gazing on beautiful humanity, then your internal reality is doing that. And the experience is unique to the individual. Now I want, I'm saying all of this because we want to have these conversations of this or that. Well, is it ethical if we do it this or that? Who's right? Is it right to post the photo on the internet of the person that's just sitting there? Or is it not right? Who cares? The experience you're having is the experience. You post the photo and someone rags you about posting the photo. Well, you're having the experience of being ragged for posting the photo. I could have posted the same photo and maybe I wouldn't get ragged at all because maybe I didn't need that experience in that moment. And the person that's ragging you about the photo, that person could have any number of things happening. They might be triggered about the fact that there's a photo on the internet of a stranger because they don't want to be seen by strangers on the internet. They're not like me. They have a deep concern for having themselves seen picking their ass crack on the internet. I don't give a damn. But also, that's not something that's part of my samsara. So the idea of having my body displayed in a place doesn't bother me because I don't have any feelings about my body. Meaning, I don't hate my body. I, I reside in this body. This body is what it is. It looks how it looks. It smells how it smells. It does what it does. Sometimes it looks nicer than other times. Sometimes it smells worse than other times. I mean, there are, there are all kinds of states that this body exists in at all times. And I don't care if anybody sees it because I have no attachment to this body. I reside in this body. This body is operational. Eventually, someday, it will grow old. It will stop functioning and I will leave it. That is how it's going to go. I hope that it happens later rather, I mean, later rather than sooner. Really do. Hope I live a long life. Don't know if I will. We'll see. But this body, I don't have any attachment to this body. Now, let's say that I was a woman that hated her body. Well, then I might have something to say about it. I might not like the fact that people are looking at me picking on my ass crack on the internet. Like, I might be like, oh, my God. I might even be walking down the street dressed to the nines, high heels. I used to wear high heels in my 20s because I thought that that was what you did. Um, I might be walking down the street in the high heels and I might be so self-conscious about my body and about how I looked and how I presented and what people thought of me and how they thought of me. I mean, I certainly have expressed myself with my clothing and my, you know, my image because I was trying to, I mean, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to enhance or hide? That's kind of the way that I look at things. You know, people are beautiful because they're beautiful. And sometimes people are beautiful because they're afraid that they're ugly. I mean, it's, it's such a, they're physically beautiful, but inside you start talking to them, you realize, God, where is that beauty coming from? It's just such a, such a mind fuck. Uh, I guess what I'm 
the thing here is that whether or not we are objectifying is not a debate. Some people are, some people aren't. They're doing the exact same action. The experience you're having is the experience, meaning whatever the experience is on your end is what's happening. Now, at the same time, if you're in the mindset to be questioning whether you should be having this experience or that experience, and when are we doing this experience or that experience, then that's your experience as well. The experience you're having is the experience. I find that there's a question that comes up, and I hear it a lot from baby boomers, actually. And and I don't know if it's because the baby boomers are just at this age where they care to ask the deeper questions because younger people are usually just trying to build things, homes, careers, houses, money, bank accounts, businesses, whatever. Baby boomers are usually like, shit, I built all that stuff and I still don't feel whole inside. There's got to be something else. So they start asking the deeper questions. And one of the deeper questions that they ask, and I hear this a lot, is how can we, how can we, who's we? How can we, how can I, that's the question. How can I, how can I? Because the reality that you are living in is not the same as any other reality on this planet. I had a friend just last week, we were walking and he said something about another friend. He said, he doesn't live in the same world as us. I'm like, none of us live in the same world. You don't live in the same world as me. You are seeing me with like a four-year dated lens and I'm just tolerating you. <laughs> like it's not, you don't even know who I am and I don't know who you are. Like why are we pretending that we're living in the same reality? You're only seeing yourself. I'm only seeing myself. That person is only seeing himself. It's not we. It's not, oh, us in this reality. It's I. And yes, I is part of the same we. This is the paradox. I am because we are. I am because you are. You are because I am. I am you. You are me. Yes, that's true. And the experience you're having is unique to you as an individual. So the question, how can we, is erroneous. How can I? How can I? How can I embody, like, be the change you want to see in the world? Gandhi and I share a birthday, October 2nd. Not the same year. He's left his body. I'm still in. Be the change you want to see in the world. How can we support people on the other side of the world that are fighting and dying? I, how can I, how can I, who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? How do I want to uplift people that are angry, that are yelling, that are fighting? Like how, how can we com- combat things, like violence with violence? It doesn't make any sense. How can we allow, how can we, how can I, how can I, how can I follow Tao? How can I be what I want this world to be? To acknowledge that everybody's right and everybody's right for every every reason. That every viewpoint and the way that it's said and the way that it's displayed is right. Including the ones that aren't the same as mine because that's the conversation. We have the conversation. We go back and forth. We do it publicly. People read it. And somebody read something. And that person, whoever the fuck it is, I don't know. That person read something. And then they applied it to something else. I love when I get emails from people that I've coached, whether it be a one-off or whether it be somebody I coached for a while, and they'll say something that I said or that we discussed or whatever, and they'll have this whole awareness, and I'll be like, I have no idea what the hell that was. I mean, like, that all happened inside of you. I was just here. I was the mirror. That's what a, a great coach, a great therapist, a great uh, mentor, that's what they all do. We don't tell you what to do. We show you you because the experience you're having is the experience. And, you know, the Tao, 
is such a beautiful thing because it talks about this very basic, simple, beautiful, reasonable way to live. Number 30, the master does his job and then stops. He understands the universe is forever out of control and that trying to dominate events goes against the current of the Tao. Because he believes in himself, he doesn't try to convince others. Because he's content with himself, he doesn't need others' approval. Because he accepts himself, the whole world accepts him. I thank you for tuning in today to this much overdue solo episode of the Get the Fuck Off podcast. (laughs) I want to call it that so much. I think I'm going to go back to that name because that was my favorite. To View from the Roof, formerly known as the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Um, Quick announcements before I go. Check out my website. I redid it, getthefuckoff.com. So if you've been listening a while, you know that I have a lot of stuff on getthefuckoff.com, getthefuckoff.com. But uh, it used to be just a mesh of hoopla thrown all over the place. And I, a couple of weeks ago, organized it categorically. So there's get off the smokes, get off the sauce, get off your ass, get off the fence, get off the roller coaster. That's what I'm doing. So please check it out. You can subscribe, get my emails. Um, viewfromtheroof.substack.com is how you can subscribe to my Substack. Otherwise, uh, tune in. Keep coming back here. I'm going to have an episode out on Monday with Alicia Lyons. Um, she is doing some great work in the world with moms and helping eliminate mom guilt and raising enlightened children. I mean, she's really doing fantastic work, work that I have no idea even how to start doing uh, because I don't have kids. So I really think it's awesome. Um, So if you're a mom and you might have some mom guilt or you might just have guilt in general, uh, definitely tune in next Monday and I'll have that episode out then. All right, everybody. It's nice to have you back here. Take care of yourselves. Stay safe. Stay beautiful. I'm Andy Scarantino and I'll see you next time.